Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to episode six of the Mental Health Break podcast. I'm your host, Tom Holzerman, or TH, if you will. Um, this week's guest, you may know him from his excellent newsletter, um, Retro XP, where he went over the top, at first he went over the top 100 uh, Nintendo games ever, and now he's just writing about whatever video games he, he damn well pleases, because it's his newsletter. Um, you may also know him from his writings in the baseball world. I forget, was it Baseball Prospectus? Uh, right now, yeah. That's, okay, that's Baseball Prospectus. Work, yeah. <laughs> Please welcome to the show Mark Normandin. Mark, how you doing? Doing all right. How about you? Well, I'm doing fine. Uh, first recording from the apartment, not the studio apartment like Colt Cabana, but it's an apartment no less. Um, and... How are you doing on this fine evening? Well, it depends on uh, if my kids decide to stay in bed, I guess, while I'm trying to record this. Let's hope so. Um, we don't want any uh, any kids. And that reminds me, um, I should probably turn my phone off, my iPhone, my, my ringer off. <laughs> uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> If you're a longtime listener, by long time, I mean five, uh, first five episodes, you noticed I had, you heard the, uh, the Legend of Zelda um, Discovery tone. <laughs> We're not going to have it this episode, breaking a streak, because I actually remembered. Um, so uh, by the time you all listen to this, by you being the listeners, there will have been a momentous occasion happening, actually going to happen about an hour after we're done recording here right now. Did you know that we're finally going to be able to transfer Pokemon from Legends Arceus and uh, uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl to Pokemon Home? I um, <laughs> I have not played. I have uh, Arceus. I do not have uh, sh- the other uh, the updates of um, what gen is that? Four. Gen 4, because um, I still have uh, Platinum on my DS. Oh, okay. Um, so I have not been paying any attention. Oh, I saw the other day that it was like, I saw what you're talking about, and then I was like, oh, oh, those aren't set up for that yet. <laughs> no, um, it took them a while, a little bit too long. And it would have been nice to, you know, been able to transfer a universal Pokemon between, you know, each game. But, um, I mean, obviously, I, I'm not all too broken up that I can't transfer a, a Grookey to Arceus, because that's sort of like its own little thing, right? Um, probably one of the best games I've played on the uh, on the Switch outside of, you know, the two Zelda games in Hollow Knight. Actually, there have been three uh, Zelda games on the Switch. Wow. Um, all three of them are really good. <laughs> uh, uh, Hyrule Warriors is the... Oh no! Um, the two remakes and Breath of the Wild, which actually is is a port itself, since that originally came out on the Wii U. Yeah, no, I'm I'm blanking on what the other remake was. Um, Link's Awakening. No, the other one. Skyward Sword HD. Oh yeah, that's why I'm blanking on it. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, see again. I have that one on. Um, I have that one on the the Wii U. I bought it because the the Wii version's on the Virtual Console there. Um, or will be until next spring. Can you do a button controls on the Wii U version? No. That that was the big that was the big uh, sell on the I I skipped the Wii generation of um, 
Zelda games. And I'm kind of hoping that this rumor that they're doing Wind Waker and Twilight Princess for the Switch is true. This Twilight Princess is the only... Yeah, Twilight Princess is the only mainline one I haven't played yet. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Right. So, um... So, yeah, uh, the Generation 4 remakes, um... Do you have Arceus and uh, Dark Rai and Shaman and Manaphy and Jirachi? I don't even think you can get Jirachi anymore. I think that was actually no, you can because you have to have the save data from uh, Sword and Shield. You can get I that have, from the old lady. Um, I have all of them up to the point. You know, there's the one in uh, Pokemon Go that you needed to play uh, Let's Go to get it. And I can't remember the name. That's like that's like the first one I don't have. And oh, Meltan. Yeah, and if they've added any new ones since then, I don't have them yet, just because I haven't like I haven't played Arceus, uh, Arceus, whatever. Um, put, uh, the uh, only new the only new one in Arceus is in Amorous, which is you remember the uh, the Tornado Bros from uh, Gen Five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fairy one. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I had I had all of them kind of recently but like i guess less recently every year that passes um but yeah until they until they did that one in pokemon go i had all of them so i think that's another reason i didn't like rush out for uh the remakes because it was like Mm -hmm. well i still have platinum which was the superior version of those uh those three games oh yeah um I don't like. I don't need anything from them. So, but I, you know, I'm I'm glad they they remade them. Just for, like generally speaking, like other people should get that because <laughs> buying one of the DS copies of those games is um, just ridiculously expensive. Yeah, I wasn't. I mean, I liked because I was able to, you know. To catch the ones that they weren't in Sword and Shield again, you know, I, I love I love me some Infernape. And, uh, but you know, I I don't think there was the bell. There were the bells and whistles, at least until they started giving away Arceus and Darkrai and Shaman. You know, the ones I didn't have, and I came into this generation with no Arceus, no Shaman, and no Darkrai. Now I have two apiece. <laughs> nice, yeah. I um, they did. I think it was for maybe their twenty fifth. Maybe their twenty fifth. Yeah, it was, I thought it was the 20th because oh, 20th, I remember yeah. I lost my DS, my 3DS when they were oh, doing this. Yeah. And I missed out on getting um, uh, Victini and Vulcanian and Hoopa. Yeah, I, that's that's where I finished off because they were um, the one, the only ones I was missing at that point, I think, were like the wireless event Pokemon from before I was paying enough attention to care about having missed them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, I didn't end up... I didn't... I, the first Pokemon game that I played was either Platinum or Diamond. I can't remember. I can't remember if I played Diamond and then played Platinum. Um, but that was that was the first one I ever played. And, like, I, I enjoyed it, but it did not hook me in a way. I, I didn't try and catch everything. I didn't do everything there is to do. I was like, yeah, this is fun. But, like, stop thinking about it shortly after. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they did uh, Black and White, and it let me... It's like the closest I could get to feeling like it was a starting point because not all of the Pokemon were new. Everyone, everyone coming in and playing knew exactly as much as I did. 
it let me feel an attachment to the game and everything um, kind of the same way that the originals did for people years before that. Um, and that, that kind of got me going. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should start doing this. And then I got, um, <laughs> then I was laid off a few years later from Sports on Earth. Um, and was like, well, that is a significant part of my income. And I already have all these Pokemon games. And I guess now is the time to try and catch them all. And I had gotten all but like, I don't know, a dozen, I think, total by the time uh, I got like everything I could possibly get and realized I was missing all of these random event Pokemon and legendaries that just like were only available, you know, through some giveaway or via wireless download, you know, years before. Yeah. So when they announced like, oh, we're going to give, we're going to do all the legendary giveaways. Like again, I was like, oh, oh, thank God. <laughs> Cause I was so close, you know? Yeah. Um, and they've been really good about giving them away. Um, you can pretty much get Mewtwo in every generation, but that's probably not what we're talking about here. It's like Mew and uh, and then Celebi or Cerebi, if you're um, at the site called Cerebi.net, a great Pokemon resource. Um, yeah, I mean, I was OG from the start. I had a copy of Blue, um, and that's where I, I, chose, v- I chose Bulbasaur and... Now Venusaur is still my favorite Pokemon. Um, but I think black and white is a very interesting because they sort of, that was like unheard of. Like they started it all over again, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and like it was so ambitious because they didn't up the, the power. It was still on the, on, the, on the DS. And they just had a whole new region. And it was like a lot of, I think a lot of people really dig that region. Um yeah, it was more, it was more fun. Oh, sorry. The Pokédex was really um, ambitious and good. Mm-hmm. My only qualm was the starters kind of um, kind of stunk mostly. <gasps> I like Superior, and Samurai didn't really get a glow up until uh, Arceus. But um, you know, having the third straight fire fighting starter was a little bit of a drag, and he's clearly the worst out of the three. <laughs> um. Yeah, I thought it was cool that they introduced the. Uh the three different ape types to go with your um to go with your starter um it was a nice kind of balancing act early on to really make you like think about your tactics and um superior is probably like my favorite so how dare you sir no i like superior no i know but you just don't you know that should that should carry the day as far as starters go (laughs) Um, Uh, yeah i mean i mean there's some like like the Gen two, I, I really like Typhlosion, and and and, but like the other two are kind of like weak. But the Typhlosion gets a glow up in in, in Arceus too. Oh, nice. um, so before we uh, move on, who is your favorite Pokemon? Oh boy, um, <laughs> I mean the uh, the I have the same Superior that I had since I played Black. Um. And I go to it all the time, you know, I go to it all the time, like, um, not when I'm like doing the, uh, the first round against the elite or whatever. It's, uh, you know, when I'm like doing real end game stuff and coming back and just like cleaning up. Uh, yeah. That's usually one of the ones I bring in. That's, that is a, that is a long time favorite at this point. And also the one, um, I think when I was playing Pokemon go more, 
you know, when you can pick, you can pick one Pokemon to like walk around with you a bit. I was like, oh, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a Snivy. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're really, really cool. Um, like snakes and, you know, they're, they're real fast. Uh, did you give it uh, Aqua Tail when it was able to learn Aqua Tail? I think it was either in um, the Gen 3 remakes or the Move Tutors in um, on Alola. But I probably give it didn't. I, th- I think I did what I usually do with Grass type, which is create a situation where they're just going to steal your health to death. Oh, Leech Seed. So just like a combo of whatever I could do to like sit there and <laughs> play defense and just eat them slowly, you know? Yeah, I have a Venusaur build that's um, Leech Seed and Toxic, I think. And um, if you if you, if you you liked me before battling me, uh, theoretically, I haven't really Pokemon battled a whole lot. I like to breed and, and raise them. I just don't really... For if I raise them for battling, but I, I'm still very much a battle rookie. But I think mm-hmm. if you... If, if you were, if you liked me before battling me with that Venusaur, you probably hate me afterwards. <laughs> um, uh, there was, there was one, actually, I was uh, doing the online stuff for a little while. Um, so I was in doing online battling and someone threw out a, a Corsola, not a, not Cursula, but Corsola, um, the, the Galar version, the ghost one. Uh-huh. And uh, I have to, I could pull it up on my spreadsheet, but it's on my other computer. It's also on my Google Drive, but um, so I, I when I saw it, I was like, I have to raise one of these. So it was like, you know, the item Eviolite, right? Mm-hmm. If um, an unevolved Pokemon has their offense, their defense and special defense is raised by fifty percent. So he was holding one of those, and like it was Strength Sap, Nightshade, and a couple of other, maybe um, Will O Wisp and something else. But it, well, you, I couldn't beat it, even with like Ghost type moves. It was like that like much of a bastard hmm. i was like i need to i need to raise one of those for myself <laughs> i haven't uh i haven't really done the the battling um which i guess is funny i mean there's just there's so much to do in the games i, I focus much more on the just like i have a complete collection and you know everything is a vault um and trying to grab the uh, the different regional types or whatever but not stressing too much about that I feel like that's just kind of like get him if I can, and if I missed one, then whatever. Yeah, um, but yeah, I never, I never got much into the the online battling, and I think that's probably a holdover from such a late start to it, where I I don't know if I have the time. To, I don't have like the years built in to get going on it now at this at this late juncture. Um, I feel like it's the equivalent of like. Um, you know, sometimes I don't play online shooters really anymore because I'm like, well, I have, I have like work and kids and can't play this game like while mainlining Mountain Dew at 13 years old, <laughs> you know, anymore. So like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play this and get obliterated by some kid who like literally just does this all day. Which you know, power, power to you, child, if you are, uh, if you are listening to this. It's just like, it's a young, that's a, that's a young person's game at this point. Um, in a way it is, I think the battling part, cause you have to kind of have a straw, a sharp mind. And I don't know about you. I mean, I'm sure I'm not going to make a judgment about your, your smarts, but me, my, uh, my wit has, has left me a long time ago. So it's all based on predictions, but I found the, um, the spreadsheet and it's, um, the current, the, the Corsola was a uh, nightshade strength sap, stealth rock and will-o'-wisp. Mm. So that's all passive damage. It's the exception of nightshade and, 
unless you're a normal type with uh, with a ghost attack or a dark attack. Oof. All right, so um, baseball season. You write for Baseball Prospectus. Uh, huge Red Sox fan. No. Um, no. Oh, not anymore. No. God, come on, come on, Tom. <laughs> uh, they traded Mookie Betts, and I made a big show of saying "fuck you" forever. Oh, um, I have held to that. I'll, so I was just going to like ask you about that. Like, uh, say you're. I'm extremely about. strong and capable. They have no hold on me, and it's been actually pretty easy. Ah, uh, well. Um, so, are you just a baseball agnostic now, or no? I, I, fan of the game, or just fan of. Um, a fan of the players' uh, resting labor power from the. Uh... <laughs> no, I've been a, I've been a Padres fan uh, my whole life too. My mom uh, lived in San Diego for a while, so I um, I got you know Red Sox and Padres growing up. Um, so it's it's been nice uh, that while this team that makes you know half a billion dollars a year or whatever is like oh we can't afford to 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 keep Mookie Betts only like arguably the best player we've ever had besides maybe Ted Williams. And even that is a really kind of a, maybe when you account for a number of things. Well, if you're getting, you're then getting into the, uh, the, the, the debates online about, um, you know, nutrition and athletic training and yeah, I don't, you know, that's why it's just like, he's, he's the best or he's the second best, like either way, the things are the same. Why are you getting rid of this guy? especially because you can afford them. Um, I just have no interest in rooting for a team that operates like that. Um, and, they're, you know, they're about to do it with, like, is Bogarts going to get traded this summer? Probably. You know, they're going to get rid of Devers too. So it's like, okay, cool. You're just going to keep, if you manage to develop these guys, you're just going to trade them and act like you. this is the reality of the market for you, like the team that makes the third most money in the league every year. Yeah. So, fuck off. I don't need you. <laughs> That's, um... I could never do that with the Phillies. Well, yeah, you I'm just uh, because you like Philadelphia sports teams, and you don't have to like them to like them. <laughs> it's like that that uh, Doctor Pizza MD tweet where he says, "No, I you're mistaken. I don't like the Eagles. I just want I, I just want them to win more than anything in the world, and I hate them so much." That is that is that entire city, and also all the people from Jersey who like those teams and everyone like. Yeah, I I respect the disease you all have but I'm glad I don't have it. Yeah. I mean, you come from a region where I think every team has won in it since 2000, since um, that, that first Patriots Super Bowl. Yeah, it was pretty wild. It's funny. The Patriots were so good for so long that like, I had, even if you just count the part where I cared about the Patriots, it's still like an impressive run. And then my fandom completely lapsed for, Look, the NFL in general at some point, and um, they still kept going. You know, there's like a whole equally impressive run after I stopped paying attention. It's nuts. So, yeah, the people who are into all that stuff, it's great. Um, I know you hate the Celtics. It's all continuity, you know. I know you hate the Celtics, but I'm like, that's the one I want to win uh, out of the out of all of them. And that's been that way um, for a while, even when I even when I like the Sox. Um, Seeing, I like watching basketball the most, and seeing live basketball is uh, my absolute favorite sports experience. Um, and my favorite, my favorite ever live sports experience was 
going to a Celtics uh, playoff game by myself. It was like a first round game against the Hawks, I think a game five. Uh, and it was an elimination game. You know, they could, they could advance if they won. And it was, yeah. it was so great that it's the loudest I have ever heard any building ever. Just so good. Yeah. There's nothing like the play. I've never been to a playoff game live, but I mean, you know, I, I just watching, you know, the, the 2008 Phillies, um, see, you could you could feel the electricity from from Citizens Bank Park. Um, that that one inning where they got the Sabathia in the, in the divisional playoffs, it was Game Two, and you know the crowd was just like so electric at that point. I think it had a role in it because Sabathia. Uh, for those you know who don't really know CC Sabathia, you know, there are some youngins who probably listen to this and. They, they lapsed on CC Sabathia. He's a little podcast. He's, you know. <laughs> yeah, and he, um, and he uh, fell down some rabbit holes and, you know, got clean. So good for him uh, for that. Um, but hell of a pitcher. But he, like, the crowd just rattled him so much to the point where he walked the pitcher. This was back in the day when pitcher. I know this is, the Universal DH is, is only a one year. It's only like a two-year-old thing now. But he walked Brett Myers. And then Shane Victorino came up and hit a grand slam. And I swear to God, I, I was living at the, at, the, at the time up the street from where I'm at now. And we're the first borough outside of Philadelphia. Like where it's the stadiums, uh, the Schuylkill River, the airport, and then us. And I, I think, I, I swear, I think I heard the stadium erupt from where I was <laughs> when, when Shane Victorino hit the grand slam. Please call him by his proper name of Shanf. <laughs> those are the early, those are the wild west days of Twitter. So I got, back a, when, um, I got a, um, or I had, um, I had a, one of those custom MLB.com jerseys. Uh, and I had Shanf, Shanf put on the back. Um, <laughs> and then I, I, uh, Back when I used to edit a Red Sox site, I, I did a video of me dramatically setting it on fire, not in anger at Shane Victorino, <laughs> but to free him from the curse of, of me having a shirt of his. Uh, I have ter- I had terrible luck for so long with um, with the players I bought shirts of that like something they would get hurt or they would start to play poorly or whatever that I just that was like the last one where I'm like, OK, I'm done. I am I'm going to set this on fire. In the in the parking lot outside of my outside of my apartment, and I'm going to record it burning. And it's like I'm doing this I'm doing this Shane for you, <laughs> which is the opposite of how most like Jersey burnings or whatever go, where it's like something in anger. I'm like, no, this is to free you. So so where where are you on? I mean, obviously you did it for like reverse reasons, but where are you on burning the jersey of someone leaving? for uh, greener pastures um is that sort of a a means of catharsis or do you think it's just stupid stupid. um like i don't know what do they owe you man you know if you if they if they brought you so much joy that you bought their jersey and you were that amped about it the fuck's your problem you know like i don't know i can see like okay let's one of the eagles goes to the cowboys or something and then like flips double birds on the way out okay i can see being angry and wanting to make a deal about it but most of the time we see this happening out in the world they're like this person got 
an exceptional life-changing deal <laughs> that we didn't even um, match the offer for. So fuck them forever. I'm going to set this jersey on fire. It's like, what, dude, you just, <laughs> come on. Why are you doing that? Donate it. I don't know. Go send it to Goodwill. Someone will like it. You can sell that thing on eBay. You know, someone's going to put it in your closet for a while and sell it in 10 years. And someone will be like, oh my God, this is vintage now. Just throwback. Don't be an adult about that. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't bother me, but it is, you know, it doesn't bother me on a, on a visceral level. I mean, it's stupid. I think people, fandom makes people do really stupid things. <laughs> um, incredibly stupid things. Um, but I also think that as you, as you grow older and you sort of, I think part of um, letting that go is, is growing in sort of a class consciousness. And I think because um, the money is just so much greater in sports, people don't realize that um, people don't realize that, you know, someone like Johnny Damon, for example, who went from the Red Sox to the Yankees, um, which, I mean, to your analogy of the going from the Eagles to the Cowboys, that's sort of like the baseball world equivalent, um, probably even more so because I think, you know, Red Sox, Yankees is sort of like the arch pro rivalry, um, greater than any other rivalry in, in pro sports. And then the only ones that really competes with are, you know, your Ohio State, Michigan, your um, – your uh, Texas Oklahoma, although I don't think Texas Oklahoma is that big of a rivalry comparatively. So it's a huge rivalry, but I think the hate oh, for Jim Ross, yeah, man, Dawson, yeah. Um, but like you know, Ohio State and Michigan, or um, North Carolina and Duke in basketball. Yeah, yeah. But um, but like Johnny Damon, you have more in common with Johnny Damon than you do. Uh, like get more common with Johnny Damon than you do with, you know, George Steinbrenner, right? And it's so crazy to see people side with these owners who they don't play. They don't – you only see them when the Fox camera cuts to them in the booth. My least favorite part of an NFL game is when they cut to the owner, whether it's Jerry Jones or even, you know, Jeffrey Lurie, um, whatever. And I, I never really lost my taste for football. It's, it's the only sport I really watch religiously. I mean, it's my problematic fave other than wrestling. We can talk about wrestling. I know you're a wrestling fan a little bit later. Um, so in light of what you were talking about with the Red Sox and the financial flexibility, um, does that sort of color, like, I know for me, I've always hated the Atlanta baseball team with the racist uh, logo. Um and that carried over not just because they were not only good, but squandered every opportunity they had outside of the one against the other team with the racist name and logo that changed recently, the Cleveland Guardians. Um, but I, I kind of not only that, but they, they were sort of like the fun police for, for, a, for a while in baseball. They've let up on that now, but like that's not the reason why I don't hate them the most. It's, it's, the, it's the Rays. Like they're my least favorite team in all of sports. Is that, are you in that same boat too, or do you still have a great loathing for those New York Yankees? I don't know. I see. I, I think I had like a zoomed out appreciation for the Yankees Red Sox rivalry. I also think the Red Sox, um, they, they were so good 
for so long after being so bad for so long. Um, I, I wrote this piece for SB Nation maybe in maybe 2018 um, where I basically said the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry is finally even. You know, so now we can see where it's going to go um, because the Red Sox have been you know, the Red Sox not only finally uh, won and exercised demons and all that stuff, but then they kept winning. And now they've won more in the last 20 years than the Yankees have, you know, significantly more. Yeah. Uh, so it's been kind of fascinating to see like, oh, oh, this is finally like, they're the same now. And I, I think just over the course of the Red Sox doing well, um, it's not that I lost my taste for the rivalry. It just, it, it felt different. It felt more like, yeah, this is like a, it, it was like fun because they were in on it and they were this like, they were the same. You couldn't hate the Yankees if you're a Red Sox fan from where I was sitting. Cause they were doing the same shit. They were both spending a ton of money. They're, you know, they were both drawing in huge free agents. They're both winning all the time. I don't know. And over the years, I sort of grew to appreciate that. I still don't like the Yankees cause they're New York and, yeah, yeah. you know, don't root for a New York team. It's actually one that's won all the time. They're but. the same, you know? So. Yeah. And now, now they're the same in annoying ways where the owners complain about not being able to spend enough money and send the GM up there to be like, you don't understand what we're, do- what we're working with here. Um, it's just like a less interesting version of things. So yeah, uh, I, I dislike, I dislike uh, the Rays mindset, and I, you know, I don't, I don't like the Rays and I don't think they play a particularly appealing brand of baseball. And I think it's infected the sport any larger way that makes it less enjoyable to watch. Um, But other than that, I don't really have a problem with them. (laughs) I I hate everything they stand for, but other than that, they don't bother me. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, that's like the ultimate rooting for laundry. I I, I can say this as someone who stopped, stopped paying, uh, paying attention to the Red Sox and liking the Red Sox because they got rid of Mookie Betts. Um, So I think it makes sense that the way the Rays treat their players. It just, just, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I don't understand how anyone could like it. I just, I literally do not get it. And I understand that's what you've got and you've got to get to sleep at night. So you tell yourself a lot of things, but no, it's not for me, you know? Yeah. Just the, um, this goes back to that, uh, that sort of, um, mindset and, uh, you know, that, that one tweet, uh, I forget who it was, but he said, oh, I love this trade for the Sam Rays. Miller. Who'd yeah, they yeah. give up and who, who'd they trade for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'm not saying that they're bad, you know, or that they have no success or anything like that. I am saying I do not enjoy them. I do not find them aesthetic. I do not find them to produce an aesthetically pleasing form of baseball. And I don't really like it when they do well because it just convinces other people that they should also adopt things like that or convinces someone like the pirates that's run by not Charrington, but like previously has just been run by dopes um, who then point to the Rays and they're like, yes, that's what we're trying to do. And that's exactly the reason why I despise the Rays. It's exactly the reason because they sort of took this great sport of baseball and, you know, and really, it's not the race fault. Maybe I'm a little bit hypocritical. I still have a soft spot for the Oakland A's, eh, you know, because they used to be in Philly and they were always a fun, a fun team. I bought their hat because it's a nice hat. And they're the only 
really the only team in the league that wears green. So I, I've, I've developed sort of a hat buying um, habit. You know, I have um, I got five big league hats. Four of them are current teams, and the other one is the they're currently the Baltimore Orioles, but they used to be the uh, St. Louis Browns. Mm-hmm. So I got the St. Louis Browns hat just for sheer irony. Plus, it's a nice brown hat, you know. I do have a uh, I have a brown and gold Padres as one of mine, so I uh, understand the appeal. Yeah, I, I, I um, considering that or the Browns hat, and they, at Mickey's place had the Browns hat in an eight, and I have a giant head. So that's sort of like the, the thing. Do they have my size? But my thing is I, I will wear – I want to get as many hats as I can to, to fill out my wardrobe. I will never wear the hat of a team I dislike. So when it came down to buying a black and white hat, that's why I bought the Red Sox. The, yeah, not the Red Sox. The White Sox. Um, so I got the White Sox, the A's. Um the, the Cocaine Tigers logo hat, uh, the Browns, and then my Phillies hat is a 1980s, uh, 1970s uh, maroon. Oh, nice, yeah. With the uh, – the sw- I, love, I love that That's logo and that color. Um, what are some of your favorite baseball uniforms, you know, sort of dovetail into that? Um, I love those – I love those 70s Padres uniforms. I'll just get that out of the way now. Uh Oh, the brown shirts yeah, and the uh, the, the pullover old... one, specific. Like the oh. colors were good. Like the ones they wear now are great. I love the colors game, and I think they're beautiful uniforms. Um, even the even like the one with the like gold and brown pinstripes. I think they're real sharp looking. Yeah, I love that pullover from the seventies. When I went to uh, uh, for our for um, our honeymoon, we went out west to a few different places, and one of the places we went was San Diego, and. Uh, you know, ate at a bunch of places and went to a couple of breweries and uh, caught a Padres game at Petco because I hadn't been. Um, and, you know, I like the one of the big things I got for myself there was um, no name on the back because I didn't want to curse anybody. Uh, <laughs> it's just a Padres 1970 pullover jersey, you know, in the same style that like Tony Gwynn had worn at one point. Um, ah, it's just. I love I love that one. Um, I love the the Brewers. Uh, the you know they've gone they've gone back to uh, the style, but um, it used to be like a retro style with the the MB um, in the glove. You know, um, yeah. I love that. I love the color scheme. Um, I, I those those A's the brown uh, that's the browns the uh, the greens and golds are very sharp looking. They're very attractive. It's the best thing about that organization. By about yeah. a thousand miles, um, I, I do wish more teams had unique uh, color schemes. You know those Kansas City Royals, the the like the powder blues, is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but too many. I, I remember, I remember looking at one point and seeing like some kind of color chart essentially, and it was like <laughs> at, at at one point there were only like five different color combinations that anyone was doing, you know? Um, it's not, yeah. it wasn't that low, but it was for 30 teams. It was like absurdly low where it's like, okay, so the Rockies have their own thing with their purple, you know? Um, but all these teams wear blue and white or blue and white with a little orange or blue and white with a little, you know, at, at that point, the, the Padres were wearing like Navy. It's like, what are you doing? I understand the Navy's in San Diego, but like Brown, man, do the Brown. And they did. They've gone. They've gone yeah. Through it. Um, yeah. A lot of teams just sort of like 
they, they bang the uh, blue and red, you know, either blue or yeah, red yeah. Or, or, or the no color like black. And it's like, it's refreshing because you, you said you have like the A's are the only team in the league that really has green and the Rockies, the only ones that really embrace purple. I like the, um, I really like the, you know, the Marlins uniforms uh, when they were introducing all those colors into them. I thought those were cool. It's a shame that we like lost the teal in the process. Um, and the old, the old Devil Rays uniforms were pretty neat too, as far as like color schemes and things being different. Um, yeah, they were they were both of the green and blue together. Yeah. I love the um, the cream Giants uniforms. Um, the cream home uniforms are they're great. They're really cool. Uh, people love to talk about the Yankees and the pinstripes and everything and like that classic look, but the the cream Giants look is it's it's maybe the best of the like vintage looks that has existed for a very long time. You know, uh, I think it's very underrated for that, especially. And the Phillies are sort of um, have a, have a look like they, they sort of uh, pirated that look a little bit with the. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, it's a, it's a nice look, you know, everyone does white. Yeah. So doing that cream color one, man, and the cream with the Brown that the giants have, I think, I think, I think it like works really well together. Um, my uh, unionize the miners shirt from tipping pitches is um, is Phillies like the Phillies, the light blue there with the that that font you were talking about in your hat, the spiral font um, before yeah. before they got hit with the the C and D. But I've got it. Take that away, yeah. government. It's mine. You got it now. It's possession is nine tenths of the law. It's the same one. Our, our uh, mutual. Uh, uh, acquaintance on Twitter, Alyssa has. Yeah, good. it's a it's a good shirt. I should buy another one of those now that they've figured out the the legal issues. Um, or you know, everyone listening can just go buy one too. That's even, that's even better. Yeah, I mean, uh, they should be un- they should be unionized. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's a like. There's no reason why not. Why not? <laughs> well, there's no reason why not that that doesn't give in to a bunch of idiots no, it's with just, money. It's, it's tough. It's a tough road. You know, an argument I come on, I, I'm going to write about this soon because I, I saw it pop up a lot this offseason uh, during the lockout and everything with people who are like, well, I don't care about the plight of the major league player because they don't, they haven't unionized the minor leagues. And it's like, okay, well, that's not a thing. Like what you're talking about is not a thing. Your complaint is not even a possibility. So I, I have to write at some point about like, here's why it's not as simple as just like waving your hand. And all of a sudden all the minor leaguers are in the players association. It's like, it's just like, yeah. it's against labor law to do that for one, you know, like, <sighs> but you know, um, they obviously should be unionized. I've, I've been saying for years though, that they need to, they really need to sort it out themselves and they should be able, they should get some assistance or, you know, help from the, the, from the uh, players union and in, in major league baseball, but they, they are a lawyer, like a union lawyer, you know, there, they, there are some good yeah, lawyers out there. Not everybody's a corporate lawyer. Fold it, uh, they just can't like fold the players in, which people think it's that simple, you know, and that it's like MLB's players being greedy or something. And it's like, no, they could say in in 1994 they uh, the PA tried to get the minor leaguers in, and the owners basically said we aren't going to negotiate anything with you at all 
and <laughs> until you drop this. And if you bring it to the NLRB, they're going to tell you you're in the wrong. So yeah, it had to be dropped because they're right. They were that like that's they're not part of the bargaining unit. So you can't make that demand. Yeah. And it stays all the, the legalities in the way, you know, I, I don't understand it, but I mean, that's what I'm here for. You know, sometimes like sometimes you, you work outside the framework of the law and I'm not going to mention times when you should, because I don't want to put on get put on any watch lists, but there are some times where you kind of have to. Yeah. You know, that's just how the bargaining process works. So if they want to continue to be a union and not lose any of their rights, they can't start doing like a legal stuff. You know, there's a difference between doing like an illegal strike like some wildcat shit and <laughs> trying to add um, 6,000 new members to your union. So uh, speaking of bodies that should be unionized, uh, pro wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, there was a um, Monday, which yesterday, when as of recording, but uh, Monday as of listening, first listen. So I don't really watch WW anymore. I'm AEW New Japan and then dabbling in, in, in AAA and whatever else sort of comes across my, my eyeballs. But something interesting happened on Monday Night Raw for the first time in a while and had nothing to do with wrestling. Um, you wear Sasha Banks and Naomi walked out of Monday Night Raw because they were mad at the way they were booked. Yeah, it, uh, I mean... We don't have all the details, but I only mean I don't know all the ways in which they were right. I just know they were. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's pretty. I'm not saying this to sort of like cast aspersions oh, no, on no. them. I'm just saying it. Uh, it's <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know why they did it. I just know that they were right to do it. Um, because even look like look at the statement that WWE released. I was just about <laughs> to ask you about that. <laughs> it's like, is this statement? Did you guys release this to make you look good? <laughs> is that what you did? Because if this is what looking good looks like, I wonder what the truth is. What the truth looks like. Wait, remember back in New on New Year's Eve when um you know that that interview with Big Swole uh, mm-hmm. dropped, and Tony Khan thought it that it would be good for him and his company that he would say, "Oh, we just cut her because she stinks." While she was oh, making all yeah, these um accusations, right? Like it's sort of like they saw that and said, "Hold our um." Hold our um, pre-workout. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, I don't... I, same deal. Um, as much as I like AEW, um, and I have, like, no trust for WWE's brass, uh, you know, that, like, if, if someone bailed on AEW, I'd assume there was something going on that we don't, like, we're not privy to. Um, in oh, yeah. terms of, like, the, the company, I mean, the- not, not the wrestlers in question, which is why, like... Yeah. Like, like, don't don't get me wrong. I love AEW's product, but it's like I think nowadays, and, and you could make the argument that Tony Khan is quote unquote better than Vince McMahon. But when you're a billionaire, that's sort of like splitting hairs at this point. Like, I am under no illusion that AEW is a quote unquote moral company. Yeah, yeah. But you know what they do better than 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 WWE? Produce a wrestling program. <laughs> Yeah, and I can't. I stopped watching uh, WWE as much around the time of the Saudi Arabia Arabia deal, and like once at first I was just like skipping those shows, and then I was only watching NXT, and then I stopped doing that too. Um, so I just I just haven't like gone back, and there's tons of there's tons of wrestlers there that I I think are great, and um, you know even 
Although less and less over the years. Man, that roster is still stacked, and there's still a lot of people that I'm sure it would be worth watching, like seeking out things for. You know, the women is the the women they have are still great, and you know that's a weak point for AEW. It's not the who they have, but uh, how often they're used. Um, how they feel, yeah, how they're featured. Exactly. Uh, but like seeing, you know, it's like okay, so you're. I can understand uh, Sasha and Naomi feeling disrespected. I mean, Naomi was, has never received the amount of respect or attention that she deserves. Um, she rules. She just flat out fucking rules. And the thing is, you know, with Naomi, right? Like there have been times when she was like one of the, getting the loudest oh, yeah. cheers of anybody on her brand. Yeah. It always feels like they just did like a little bit with her and then kind of pushed her aside for a bit. And Sasha, I mean, Sasha already had this huge, like disappearance for a while where it was clear. She didn't feel like she was being treated the way she should. So this makes me think like, okay, she, <laughs> they have not learned their lesson or they did not hold up their end of the bargain or whatever. And, she got that Disney Plus money coming yeah. in too. Yeah, she can she can do other things, and she can still wrestle if she wants to. It's not like she's gonna, you know, if she wanted to go part time somewhere. Uh, doesn't even have to be AEW, but you know, you know, let let Sasha Banks is gonna end up in Japan wrestling for uh, Stardom or something when she's not working for Disney. Yeah, that that's the thing. Like she's she's wired like. She is like a wrestler's wrestler. Like she's wired like that. Um, like I wouldn't. I like I said. I wouldn't be surprised if she, sh- if she showed up in Stardom or Tokyo Joshi Pro or you know that whole thing with Kota Ibushi going on, where um, which is even more labyrinth and confusing because you have to rely on people translating his tweets out of yeah, the yeah. kanji in the Japanese. So, like, I guess the dream is that you know. There was a rumblings before he finally settled down and signed his New Japan contract that he was going to do the uh, the Ibushi Wrestling Institute, which just I don't know what it would have entailed, but it just sounds like the the wackiest shit. Like for those who don't know, Kota Ibushi before he entered New Japan um, full time, like he would do like Gonzo wrestling shit where he would wrestle on trains, he would shoot fireworks into his crotch. Um, he once got New Japan banned from Budokan Hall. It was, it was Budokan, I think it was either Budokan or Korokan. I forget which one, but he jumped off the balcony and they didn't like that. So they banned him there for a couple of years. Um, this guy is legitimately, legitimately crazy. And you know he loves wrestling. Like He's another guy who's wired to do this kind of stuff because... He comes from a rich family. Like, he doesn't need to be a wrestling star to have money. He's just fucked in the head enough that he wants to do the craziest shit ever. And that's why he's probably one of the most respected people in wrestling right that's now. It's funny because he doesn't, he doesn't even have to do the wild stuff. You know, I saw him at the... God, remember the Cruiserweight uh, like Classic or whatever they did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I went to one of those. Because um, I had... At the time, I had... Um, I had some family down there and we were visiting. So we like organized the trip around, around uh, when they were doing that, got to see him. And I think that's the only time I've seen him live. Um, that's like the only, the only tiny taste of um, <laughs> that WWE fans got of him. Cause it was like, Oh no, he's not signing with NXT or whatever, you know? 
was like, yeah. No. And that's why yeah. I'll do this one thing. Him and, him and Sabre, you know, they put him into the, into the semifinals and neither one of them signed. Yeah. So we got TJP. That was annoying even before uh, we knew more about him. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was a fan of his style in the ring, but something clicked after he found that he was just like a, a twerp. And I don't know. I don't know if it was just that shading my view of him, whether he just stopped caring. Um, but no, I I, I want to say I've seen Ibushi live. But I don't remember. Like I've seen, I've seen a, a Ring of Honor New Japan show, but I don't know if he was on it. I know... Okada and Naito were, and um, but I was in the same building as him in 2009 for Chikara King of Trios. He wasn't on the card night one. That was the show that I went to, but he was he he was in that um he, he was in the uh, Raid of Aladors, which is the for those who don't know about that, it was a well King of Trios was a three day show. It was a six-man tag tournament and they'd get 16 teams and they'd run the tournament over three days. Um, and then the second day they would put, they would splice in four, four-way eliminator matches. And then the, the winners of those two eliminator matches would face off the next day in the finals. And it was called Raid of Volidors, which is the King of Flyers. Um, that was the year he was like, just like did magic in the ring. I think him in the one in the one eliminator was him and I think one of the young bucks and I forget who else, but it was like he was like doing No wait, no, I did see him because he was in a team with Michael Nakazawa and someone else. Well good. We both seen him at the most random shit possible. And that was when I was like I was more impressed with Nakazawa because he was doing the baby oil gimmick at the time. You gotta love a good baby oil gimmick. Yeah, and then, I, and then like remember, remember when AEW before they had the, the um the television deal, and he did the um that match with uh, Alex J. Bailey. <laughs> I don't think I saw that. Oh, it was the the funniest thing ever. It was like a death match, but they were just like all the weapons were like kid stuff, <laughs> and they were just like having they were like didn't treat it seriously at all, but like it was incredible. I may have been the only one who watched it who liked it, but it was it was fun as hell. So yeah, it's Michael Nakazawa. He's uh, very good, very uh, very worth seeking out. So, so that's my thing. Um, before we uh, sort of bring it home, well, hold on. Um, one last thing. Freddie Prince Jr. unionized. Um, looking forward to that. I said Freddie what's Prince Jr.'s unionized wrestling promotion. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, I am too. Um, we'll see who he attracts to that and. Hopefully it's something good. I mean, there was a thing. I remember wrestler wrestling, the wrestling revolution. Probably, I don't know if it was unionized, but it was sort of the same idea where they were going to put them on a set on a soundstage and do like a. I wonder if he's going to do the same thing. Like he's going to put on a soundstage, not like have the live thing, but have have it be oh, more no, cinematic. He's going to buy a venue, and oh, they were going to do in-person shows but not televised shows for a while but they were going to tape everything so that when they did eventually get a television deal they could like show that like they would already have this back catalog um okay but you know that 
to for them to actually be Screen Actors Guild, they will have to get a TV deal. But I'm sure they, I'm sure they can. Like, there are so many streaming promotions, for instance. You know, like I know Peacock's not going to do it because they have a deal with WWE or whatever. But they can fit. Like something would be figured out uh, if necessary. Well, did you see there was a tweet Billy Corgan and who, who who owns the National Wrestling Alliance? It was a real cryptic tweet because he was seen leaving CBS headquarters and no one could really figure out whether it was because it was for wrestling or whether it was like he had another thing going on. That's just weird. Billy Corgan, the guy from Smashing Pumpkins, is now like the big pro wrestling <laughs> I do guy. Wonder, uh, Freddie Prince talked about um, he helped someone start a promotion recently. And I do wonder if it was that NWA reboot. Because um, he said he like Maybe. walked away from it because they didn't. He didn't like agree on the direction of it. Um. So I, I do wonder if it was he like almost got in on the ground floor for that and then decided he didn't want to do it and now he wants to do his own thing. Um. But you you literally yeah. cannot have enough of these promotions because there's so many, yeah. And so the many thing is books. like I, I feel like there would be a um more of a, a taste for. I think Vince McMahon sort of. Poison the well on purpose so he could be the only game around. But I think very much so, like Tony Khan and AEW, and then to a lesser extent, like New Japan. And, and even if you want to, like, get on the brass tacks, like like NXT, black and gold NXT, um, was a WWE product, obviously. But, like, Vince didn't have a whole lot to do with it. And so, like, you could tell that, you know, for as much of a shithead as Hunter was, uh, Triple H, and I have no great love for him, but. You gotta gotta give it to him a little bit. He um he does have a lot more respect for the business than his father in law has. Yeah, you know, I saw a lot of people kind of agreeing with like, oh, he can't obviously can't run a successful promotion. WWE would be terrible if he inherited it. Um because of like how NXT did when it was on USA. Or I mean it's still on USA, but like when he was running it. But I, I don't think that's fair because he got put into a situation where he all of a sudden had to book against AEW. And I think it changed the way they told stories and the way they plotted out matches and the kinds of matches you saw. And they got rid of a lot of what made NXT work in that. But I don't think those were necessarily his decisions. I think he was just punished for decisions that the people who run WWE did when they were like, okay, now you have this television deal and it's not like your little thing anymore. You have, you have to run. And that's how it happens in the the world. Um, which is, I don't know, Vince is telling you to put on a pay-per-view every week for like six months, essentially. Yeah, you're going to lose the ability to tell the stories that got you so invested in the the characters and the, the matches in the first place. And that's, you know, that's what happened. I felt like they were just constantly throwing these huge haymakers and there was never anything else. And it's like, oh, this is great, but I'm exhausted. And also we haven't had story development in three months. Yeah. And like AEW had the uh, sort of, you know, advantage in that, you know, their roster, like Tony Khan didn't really care. Like he was the guy in charge. And if you wanted to pull a guy that wasn't signed from Dark to, um, you, you know, want to do a trial run on, on Dynamite, you know, he could do that. Whereas Triple H, you know, if the guy was in the warehouse and Vince didn't want him out yet, he couldn't do it. Um, but before we take it home, I, 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 uh, I want to circle back to baseball. And one of the, the great things about baseball is the not just in major league parks, but in minor league parks, how the food vendors 
are um, kicking their game up a notch. Um, what is the best uh, food you've ever had at the ballpark? Oh, boy. Um, the best food I've ever had at a ballpark was the uh, triple decker, nine cheese, grilled cheese uh, at PNC Park. Um, it was really great. Every so they ended up having, you know, like it was essentially two gr- different grilled cheese sandwiches on top of each other. The way they they did it, you know, um, and they got fancy. I mean, there were nine different cheeses on it. Um, it was delicious. It wasn't. It was when I was doing that uh, like food tour of the giant concessions, and this admittedly was like small for some of the stuff I was I was uh, eating, but it was still like a massive grilled cheese yeah. with nine cheeses on it. You know. And it was delicious. And I cannot say that about everything that I ate that summer. <laughs> Some things were really just big and like wild looking, but not necessarily good. Um, that's probably, that's probably the best thing I've had. Um, the, you didn't ask, but you know, the most ridiculous thing I had was the, <laughs> three uh the three and a half pound or three pound uh fried fish sandwich that had like clam strips and stuff in it um oh well which you had an hour to eat it and i didn't know until i was there um that it was supposed to be a challenge for two people (laughs) so they have you they like put you in a little table on the your own little personal table on the concourse behind home plate um and they they check on you and see how you do and uh, they told me I ate as much as any single person has ever eaten of that sandwich. <laughs> Did they give you, um, no, uh, you a prize? I just didn't know you needed Constant. a second, you know? Um, so I ate 60% of the sandwich or whatever. <laughs> and they're just like, wow. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, you know, I mean, I, I feel like if it's a handicap, they really should, yeah, yeah. you know, judge it on the highest a little bit. The, not all of the, you know, I, not all of those were challenges. Another one that was a challenge was um, there was a, maybe it was a four pound, four pound burger from uh, the Rays. I was just, the burger wasn't very good because they could, to make sure that the whole thing was cooked. Um, you know, the inside tastes like shit. There's no. There's no, like, they didn't season the beef at all. They just threw four pounds of ground beef together. The outside was fine, because at least it charred, you know? Um, you get that, like, nice yeah. char on the, on the outside of it, but I I had, I, you just couldn't, <laughs> you know, you need, you need to, like, create saliva if you're eating something that big, and you just can't do it if it tastes like garbage. So it just tasted like gray beef. You know, it's oof, and, and not surprising that Tampa Bay, the 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 gray beef franchise of the of Major League Baseball, this thing too. So I ate a ton of it. Um, all things considered, I ate like an enormous amount of it. I hadn't finished it. I think they said only like one, maybe one or two people had finished the whole thing. And it's like, yeah, because you do half an hour and it tastes like shit. You know, that's why. So. You got to pick your uh, your toppings, I think, though, and I, I loaded the whole thing up with pickles. So there are tons of pickles. Oh, there you this go. Huge, this huge burger, because I'm like, okay, so these are wet, and these these have flavor. You can't have enough pickles on a, on a sandwich. It's nice. It's 
nice um, acid, you know, and I love the taste of pickles. You know, I'm sort of in the minority, I guess. I love, I love pickles are a very yeah, polarizing pickles, food. I think we don't like pickles and olives or whatever. And I don't understand them. Um, it's like, it's in a brine guys. It's brine. It's salt. It's salt. Yeah. Wrong with you. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I admit it took me a while to come around to like the Amish pickles, like the bread and butters. Cause the sweetness was, yeah. was a little, um, the sweetness was a little, uh, different one where I was used to, but yeah, I got I'm used to it. Kind of guy. Um, she make me pick. Um, and yeah, I make my I make my own pickles a lot of the time too, and they're they're pretty good. You can do some quick ones, and you, I got some you know, um, some other ways to to make them uh, more you know official preservation wise. Uh, yeah, man, I love a pickle. But so yeah, that grilled oh, cheese. Yeah. It was really great. If you're ever at uh, if you're ever at PNC, um, if you can go to the uh, the enemy side of Pennsylvania, I guess. Um, Eh, baseball is not the enemy. Really, the only enemy is hockey. Because, like, Steelers are in a different conference. I don't really care about the Steelers. And the Pirates have been so down bad for so long. When they were good, like, they had fun players like um, like Cobra Dave Parker. You know you know that picture of him with the shirt and the, he's wearing the sun hat? The, the shirt, you know, uh, you know, if you hear any noise, it's just me and the boys bopping. Oh, awesome. I have that shirt. I bought it. So... So yeah, the pie. I, I'm okay well, with the pie. They're not the enemy. Um, it's just the Penguins, awful team. Uh, it's like the Portland <laughs> Dorian Gray as a baseball team, basically. You know, like park gets, park gets more beautiful as a team. Well, my uh, my main office, the main office, of my company is in Pittsburgh now. The, so I've been, I've been out there five times. Haven't been able to go to a Pirates have, game they yet. Still have that sandwich. I don't know if they do because they they did it as like a tribute to whoever the closer was at the time, and they called the sandwich the closer. Um, so I don't know if they get rid mm. of it, but it's it's from that. Um, you know. The, one of the like there's a bar inside the stadium that's actually a restaurant you can sit down and like watch the game from inside this restaurant you know um, but they have that's where you get that grilled cheese yeah and it's great so if you ever go and they have it it's worth it i think it was pretty cheap too uh all things considered like 12 bucks for this triple decker grilled cheese um i do love a grilled cheese good, good grilled cheese sandwich. I, I wrote about you know go go read it's 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 uh back in my sb nation days I'm sure there's only so many search results for like Mark Norman and grilled cheese. <laughs> All right. So uh, where can we find you nowadays? Let, let us know what you're doing uh, and so, where we can find you. Uh, retro video games writing is um, retro xp.substack.com. I think, right. That's how those work. Yeah. That's Substack. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, my baseball labor writing is at uh, marknormandon.com. Uh, that newsletter started in January 2019, and I still haven't named it, and I'm never going to. So <laughs> I'm shocked that I was able to do something uh, that I was able to name the retro video one, but I, I video game one. But I really made sure to do it. I also have um, I uh, have two or three BP pieces a month. I guess more now because I'm doing uh, this look at some games like once a week. So, uh, but two freelance pieces often labor focused at baseball prospectus per month. And I'm, uh, freelancing for paste, uh, paste games a couple times a month too. uh, the occasional review retrospective, whatever, whatever's on my mind that I can do there. Uh, gives me a spot to write about some current games too, which is nice. Yeah. Oh, great. That's uh, it's awesome. There's a lot of stuff you're doing. I want to thank you for coming on. Thanks for inviting me. I had a great time. 
And I want to thank everybody for listening. And you can find me, if you haven't already found me, find me at tholzerman.blogspot.substack.com, the mental health break. If you didn't find me through the newsletter, you know, I, I did give you a newsletter three times a week uh, on a good week. Uh, sometimes I've been missing. I, I missed a couple, but, you know, it's free. So you're not like you're not getting what you're paying for. Um, this week I, I wrote about uh, on, on Tuesday, I wrote about the uh, my top 10, actually 11 because I need an honorable mention, uh, video uh, and Super Nintendo game songs. Um, spoiler, there's two Zelda songs on there. Um, on Wednesday, I wrote about, uh, you know, I, I write it quite a little about the, uh, the sort of advanced stats bugaboo. And I wrote about guys who have that dog in them. Um, you know, I also wrote some things, you know, I wrote about my first pot of gravy last week. I've written about other various food I've cooked, like the carne asada cheesesteak. I've written about baseball and football. I write about video games and music and sometimes about myself. So, you don't know what you're going to get, but I hope you find it good. Um, you can find me on Twitter at T Holzerman. Um, you can find me on Instagram with that same, at that same username. You could find me on Facebook, but I'd rather you not. And um, with that, uh, thank you for listening. And as always, keep it a buck.